Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. You're, the Cubs have still not lost in 2021 home for baseball news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, part of the SB Nation family of team sites. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoy our baseball banter, be sure to leave a five-star review to help others find Cup of Cubby Blue just in time for baseball season. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs for Bleed Cubby Blue. Hi guys, I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek and I am wearing the biggest smile today because our Cubs are back in action. We have some new voices that we've been hearing, some new faces we've been seeing, some new bats we've been witnessing. I am loving this thus far. Yeah, it has been a lot of fun and we will talk all things Cubs for most of this episode. But before we do, I think we have to start with something a little bit different here. And I'm just going to start with a question. How does Mickey Calloway still have a job? Like, actually, I, Andy, I don't understand. I mean, besides the, the, the very appropriate question of how does he still have a job? Like, how is he still like a free man? <laughs> like, like I, I just, I don't understand. Like, as details continue to emerge on some of the things that he has done and said and um, sent, I think it is just repulsive. Um, and the fact that multiple teams have known of this and allowed this to continue to happen all because they can't lose their pitching coach is just, um, it's, 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 it's really bad. It's not a good look for major league baseball. And really, I hope something more is done to, to remedy this situation because it is, it is not good. It is not good at all. Right. So if you have not been following this super carefully, Mickey Calloway is currently the pitching coach with the Angels. He's previously <clears throat> previously the manager with the New York Mets and had also worked in the Cleveland Indians organization. About a month ago, Katie Strang, Brick Rowley, and Ken Rosenthal at The Athletic broke that when he had been with the Mets, he had been sending all sorts of inappropriate text messages to various reporters. And if you didn't check out this story, weren't listening to it for whatever reason, you should absolutely go check it out. It's super inappropriate. It puts women in this terrible position where they're like, oh, do I try to stay on the good side of this man who manages the team that I cover so that I can get stories? but I really don't want him just sending me all of these pictures of him with his shirt off and it's awkward. And it's, it's important reporting. The Angels, to their credit, put Mickey Calloway on a suspension while, they, while MLB opened an investigation, but that was like a month ago. And then earlier this week, we are recording on Friday, March 5th, it came out that during his time with the Cleveland Indians, apparently everyone knew about this. So it's not like it's new news. He's been to three different teams since then. And the powers that be in baseball from the managers he worked with to the people in the front offices to the people in the locker rooms and clubhouses all seem to be well aware <laughs> that Mickey Calloway has a problem with sending lots of, lots of text messages to women that women apparently aren't interested in. I mean... All the way down to like probably the operator for the, you know, baseball relations line knows what's going on. So how is this like something that has just been overlooked so blatantly by so many people? And I, I mean, man, some of the things that I have read now, it, it's just I can't even imagine that this has been swept under so many different rugs by 
you know, so many different teams. It, it's just, gosh, man. Um, yeah, just to kind of, I don't want to go into too much detail because it's just, you know, obviously it's, it's a lot of, um, I don't know. I'm just not comfortable <laughs> talking about some of the stuff that he's done, but like, um, his, you know, one gal that he had relations with or pursued brought her son to get his autograph and he ended up having an affair with this woman. And like this husband found out, I mean, just go and, and read some of this stuff. The husband was calling, um, I believe this was when he was with the Indians, was calling um, their front office every other day, basically, and got sent finally up the chain. Um, so you know there was many, many people that knew this was happening and this husband was very upset. And there's details on... Um, kind of a payoff, I guess you could say, and whether or not that happened, I, I, I did not see anything about that, but it, it's just so, it's so bad. Like it, it's, it's, there's just so many grown people that knew that this was happening and heard the way that he referred to women and heard the way that he talked and saw some of the things that he sent and continued to let it happen. So hopefully, you know, I, I, I hate to be this way, but you have to in a situation like this. I hope an example is made of him. I hope there is some major repercussions that come down on this, whether legal or not, if that is still an option. I mean, something's got to be done about this because I have a feeling that he's probably not the only one in professional sports that behaves this way. But I, you want this to be a situation where people are encouraged to expose this behavior because it's not okay. It's not okay. In this day and age, all the things that have been brought to light, it, it, it's this behavior is just not okay. Absolutely. And Angel's TikTok, you know, like you can let this guy go any day now. You can take a stand any day and be like, hey, these articles that have come out clearly demonstrate a pattern of behavior that we don't feel is appropriate for our pitching coach. And I just find it mystifying that they're just silent. They're just silent and waiting and like, oh, well, we just have to let the investigation take its course. Um, I, I've seen enough to know what the next course of action should be. I'm, I'm stunned that the angels have not. Well, and that reaction is laziness. I mean, it's just pure laziness. It is, let's sit back and let somebody else do our dirty work is essentially what that is. And you, at, at this point in time, the, the behaviors he's demonstrated with the past two teams that he's worked for is more than enough. And it's not like it's not documented. It's not like it hasn't, you know, like solid proof has not been put out there. It's, it's, it's well known that this is, this is not something you need an investigation for. Like you said, this is a pattern of behavior that is very, very clear. I mean, it's, it's very well documented. So Come on, man. I mean, this is this is not hard. This is not hard. You have an opportunity to to start a process that needs to be, like I said, he needs to be made an example of. They need to come down hard and fast, and they're already losing time on that. And it, it, it's very disheartening to me, you know, for a major league baseball team to to sit back and and, and say we need to wait for the investigation. Da, 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 da. Whatever. I mean, there is plenty out there. Do, does he need to send you a picture so that you can <laughs> can know exactly? I mean, it's just ridiculous to me. Come on. 
Let's let's get this taken care of now. Absolutely. March 5th, great day to fire Mickey Calloway. Um, moving on to some news closer to Cubs home. So this is a little bit of a pet peeve that is nowhere near as important as the Callaway news, but it has been driving me nuts. Marquee Sports Network finally announced their spring training TV schedule on March 4th, four days after games had started being played. And I, I don't even know what is going on here. So I, I want to step back a tiny bit. On March 1st, Cubs first spring training game, it was a road game against the Padres. A lot of people, myself included, went to the Cubs sports network, marquee sports network, to watch the game because the whole point of having your own TV station is that we're supposed to see pretty much everything. Now, it turns out that there are not going to be broadcasts of some of the road games due to COVID concerns and restrictions, and they don't want to have um, people like the whole crew and set up and everything over at the other ballpark. And that makes perfect sense. And it also seems like a thing that should have been stated really clearly on a Twitter account or a web page or something days before the first game. No fans should have gone on their guide looking for the game, wondering where the game was on March 1st, because they should have been well informed in advance that the games for road games were not necessarily going to be broadcast on Marquee Sports Network. And I just find it stunning (laughs) that they didn't release that schedule until four days into the season. You know, and I tweeted about this last night, Al, who is the editor and main site writer at Bleed Cubby Blue, responded with an article that he pieced together on February 25th that had all of the games he could find. And he's like, well, I have this. And I was like, yes, that you piece together from other people's websites and internet searches because you're a good writer and a good editor and that is your job. But like there is a sports network that should have beat you to that story. Uh, Yeah, that I, <laughs> I don't, I mean, you said it perfectly when you were like, you should never have had to do that. Like that should have been the responsibility of the network. Come March 1st, like, you know, I'm so freaking excited. I'm like, the Cubs are playing today. I can't wait to turn on my MLB TV app and watch them because it's for sure going to be on marquee. Like, that's the whole point of this network is to play Chicago Cubs baseball. Like, yeah, the other stuff I'm sure is fun. I don't, I'm not a consumer of it because I'm not in the area, but I'm like, they have to have this baseball game, right? It's the very first game of spring training. What better way to jumpstart this spring training season than to have them, you know, right there, right off the bat with JD and Boog and like, really like get us excited and amped. And I'm like, okay. I kept clicking on the button and my app is like, oh, there is no, um, what was it? There is no viewable, um, media for this game. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Seriously? What is, what is the whole point of this network if we're not able to consume Chicago Cubs baseball? Like, isn't that the whole point of Marquee Network? And then for me, I'm like, okay, this has got to be wrong, right? This is, this can't be right. Maybe Marquee is just running behind. Maybe they just, you know, something is happening. Everybody is spring training. You know how, how Taylor said last year was so cute. She would say, well, it's my spring training too. I was thinking, okay, maybe it's, they got a new crew or something and they're just running a couple minutes behind. I could not find anywhere, anywhere, what games I would be able to watch this week. I was so angry. I mean, I found, I eventually found Al's article. Thank you, Al. 
But it was like, oh my goodness, this should not be a challenge. This should be right at our fingertips. Right when you Google it, you should have a full schedule. It's like, I mean, you guys had, as Marquee, you had WGN to watch for years and years and years and years and years and how they did things. The WGN spring training schedule was out, I want to say in February most times, I feel like. I was able to know what games I was going to be able to watch. So, and there wasn't a whole lot, obviously the WGN was, you know, the, the network for Cubs for a long time, but in recent years, they stopped basically broadcasting any spring training games. It just, to me, that is such a huge ball that you dropped that should have never even been an issue. Like we should, we should just know that this, the information that we need to consume the baseball team that this network was made to cover should be out there easily and on time. <laughs> like it's not like March 1st was a surprise. Like, oh, oh my gosh, they're <laughs> playing baseball today? Holy cow, we should probably get that on the TV. <laughs> right. I mean, this is the part that is kind of mind-boggling to me. And look, I get it. There's a pandemic going on. And so there are some limitations on what you would normally broadcast versus what you are actually able to broadcast in 2021. That seems like a thing you communicate in the week, 10 days, whatever, leading up to the baseball season on your Twitter account and on your webpage. So you're like, we're super stoked for the first televised game on Marquee Sports Network, home of the Chicago Cubs on March 2nd. Wish we could be at all the games this year, but COVID makes that impossible. We're excited to bring you as much Cubs action as possible this season. Run yeah. that campaign for right. Me. <laughs> I was gonna say that that right there, guys. Uh, rewind that back and, and write that down. <laughs> like that is not that is not like brain surgery. Like this is total easy marketing right now. Like this is this is uh, I don't know. I, I it's just so frustrating because it's like yes, granted we start they started a new network on a year when there was a pandemic but now we have baseball we have baseball on time and more in a way that we're used to than last year run with this like like use this this is such a good opportunity and such a missed opportunity like it just yeah it's not something we should have to search for if we have a, a network that covers you know an exclusive baseball team then there needs to be information out there and sooner than the fifth day that the games are being played. <laughs> the, the last thing I'm going to say about this, because I really am not trying to make this all about Marquis made a mistake and I'm furious about it. But the last thing I will say about this is it feels a little bit like they're getting the, they're missing on the small things that should be easy. Like they did the big thing, right? Right. They brought Boog in. That's a great hire. We're all really glad that Boog will be there. That's probably the only person they could have replaced Len Casper with that I would have been okay with. They brought in Beth Mellons. That's historic. We're thrilled about it. You can go back two episodes and listen to Andy and I react to that real time. It's worth it. But they're getting the small things wrong. Like just get the schedule out so that people know what it is. <laughs> right? Like you need to get the little things right too. So uh, rollout of Marquee still having some issues and hopefully those will be fixed by the time the regular season starts in April. We will find out. Speaking of things that are going well, though, your Chicago Cubs have not lost a game. They tied the Seattle Mariners the other day, but they are currently 3-0-1. 
which is outstanding. And look, I get it. Spring training games don't count or anything, but I am taking the victory over the Padres as proof that the Cubs won the trade and you cannot convince me otherwise. And I am taking the victory over the Dodgers as proof that this team is going to be way better than anyone is giving them credit for. And I'm only saying both of those things slightly tongue in cheek. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Well, I loved all the tweets that I read and all the social media that said after we beat the Padres that, um, yes, we won the trade. I'm not, I, I laughed out loud at that. I mean, I'm not saying that we didn't win the trade. I'm not saying, I'm just saying it's hilarious that, um, and thank you for making me laugh folks that tweeted that right away, because that's definitely, you know, it's, it's hard to feel good about trading away one of the best pitchers in baseball, but, you know, to see something like that definitely kind of puts it into perspective. Like baseball is kind of one of those games that, you know, any given day type things. I mean, you remember, you know, even when you Darvish, who was one of the best pitchers last year, wore a Chicago Cubs uniform, he had his days. Everyone has their days. So, you know, and the game yesterday against the Dodgers uh, last night was just, that felt good. I'm not going to lie. That was spring training. And it was, you know, you didn't see a lot of the normal faces that you're going to see play a substantial amount of that game, but it still felt good. I'm not going to lie to you. It felt good. And to see that lopsided score, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh, there were so many bombs, and we're going to talk about home runs in the baseball in a second. But before we do, uh, our friend Evan Altman <laughs> had this tweet right after Trevor Williams struck out Mookie Betts about... Trevor Williams being just awesome for striking out probably the best hitter in baseball. And I just had to be like, stop the count. Just stop it right there. Trevor Williams Cubs career is over. All he's going to do is strike out Mookie Betts and go home. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I was thinking about it last night because I really wanted to talk about Trevor Williams and I'm loving all the hair on the Chicago Cubs team. There's a lot of hair (laughs) happening and I'm loving it all. But I, it was funny because I was talking to my daughter about his hair and I kept calling him Mitch Williams. So (laughs) I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. Please forgive me if I say Mitch Williams, but the odds are I'm talking about Trevor Williams. So yes, I I'm loving this new look with um, Davies and Williams and um, Davies doesn't have the hair yet. Maybe he'll get the memo, but the hair on Trevor Williams is fantastic. Um, There is another guy who I cannot think of right off the top of my head that has some great hair. Hold on. He hit a bomb yesterday. Um, Why can't I find his name? Hermosillo. Yes. That hair is luscious. And those (laughs) bombs were amazing. Amazing. Loving this. Loving this. Michael Hermosillo has hit two home runs for the Cubs in spring training. And I think he has one career home run prior to that. (laughs) He may just be getting all of his power out now. (laughs) Well, I'm hoping you're wrong, but yeah, that's probably the case. But I'm telling you, that hair is majorly worthy. That hair is majorly worthy. I felt like I was watching a movie when he was rounding the bases. So to give credit (laughs) where it's due, shout out to Marquis for a second. We are spoiled as Cubs fans to listen to some of the great broadcasters of our age. We got to listen to Len Casper and Jim Deshays. Now we get to listen to Boos Giambi and Jim Deshays, which if you've not heard those two together yet, it's pretty funny. It's good stuff, and I'm excited for it. The Dodgers broadcast was super May yesterday. It was like putting me to sleep, so boring. And it's just sad, right? Because they used to have Vin Scully, 
who is the greatest voice of baseball in our generation. Hey, in like the last five generations. And now it's just really hard to listen to. Plus, they definitely mixed up Victor Rivas and Brennan Davis yesterday. And yikes. Like, how do you do that? With it? I get it. It's spring training. There's a lot of players out there who will never be up in the big leagues and they weren't like star prospects or whatever. Brennan Davis is the best prospect the Cubs have. He is a right-handed young black ball player. Victor Rivas is a left-handed older Latino ball player. Like all of this is terrible. Yeah. I would like, listen, I have read so much about Brennan Davis and I'm so freaking excited for this kid. And he's so exciting. He's definitely one of those guys that we're going to be talking about for, for a while to come. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's really disheartening. And like the boring factor, I mean, it's already spring training folks. Like you gotta, you gotta help us out here. You know, granted you're not seeing like 60 man rosters run through one game, but it's still not as exciting as the day in day out of regular season baseball. It's spring training. So you already have to like, work some fun and excitement and stories and stuff into a broadcast. So for it to be so mundane is like, come on, you have one job, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like entertain me. So yeah. So very, very thankful for, for what Marquis has done with um, who they've brought in this year, the, the, the voices that we get to listen to. And I just have to say like, when I first on Tuesday turned on the baseball game with Boog and JD for their first broadcast together, I'm not going to lie. I got a little, I got a little teary. I got goosebumps. I got a little teary. It was just, it was very cool to, to kind of hear them start to, to mesh and, and get a feel for each other. And it was like, they had been doing this forever. Like there was no, I mean, and that's the, that's a sign of the ultimate professional, but, there was no, it wasn't clunky. It wasn't like they were interrupting each other or they were trying to talk at the same time. There was none of that. It just flowed so well. And, you know, I could get used to this. I could get used to this. I am not mad about it. I am very excited. We have one of the best that we get to listen to day in, day out. And like you've said many times, if they were going to replace Len with anybody, this was the guy to do it with. So very excited about that. Mark, you definitely got that right. Yeah, listening to the Dodgers broadcast yesterday, look, I sort of feel like broadcasters have two obligations. One is to get things right. You know, like you have to get the play right. You have to get the people right. You have to know what you're talking about. They missed that. That was problematic. The second thing, the next level, is you want to be entertaining. You want fans to want to listen to you and to feel like, oh, this would be a great guy to have a beer with in the bleachers while we're watching a baseball game. It would be so fun, right? That's the reason Harry Carey was magic for all those years. It's the reason Vin Scully was magic for all those years, because even though he doesn't have quite the we're going to party in the bleachers attitude that Harry had, he had the I am your grandfather talking baseball to you and you will fall asleep to these lovely tones of my voice discussing baseball, right? With perfect stories and perfect cadence for decades. And I just felt like the Dodgers broadcast team missed that on both counts. And I, Andy is exactly right. We are so lucky as Cubs fans, frankly, as Chicagoans to have so much broadcast talent in this city. I mean, Jason Benetti is another one who I could just listen to talk about baseball all day. Him and Jess Mendoza did the ESPN game 
the other day. And I was I was kind of thrilled about that. Jason Benetti and Jess Mendoza all day. Um, not only that, but can we talk about how they absolutely brought the fire when they had Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez next to each other <laughs> in the dugout? I mean, I was like, you know, I kept having people walk into the room when they were on and I was like, I, 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 nobody, nothing else in this house was happening, but what was on that TV screen. I was just in absolute awe and people don't forget, this is like off the cuff. Like, this is not like they prepared for this. This is literally, they are just sitting and having a conversation in the dugout with someone like sitting next to them, except on a zoom and nationally broadcasted. Like, it's like, these guys were so fun. Um, later they cut to Jason Hayward, who was back in like, um, I don't know what he was in an area like off to the side of the field. And it was like the weather was coming in pretty quick. It was really windy. So he was talking to them, but I think he even cussed on national TV. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that we heard him say a cuss word, but it, it's just so real and so cool. And so like that they get these players to talk and just have very candid conversations. And I tell you what, there, some of these guys, you know, it, it's strange for me to see Jack Peterson in a Cubs uniform. I'm not going to lie. Um, it was a little easier to consume when he's, you know, hitting a bomb to to right center. Um, and then to hear him have an interview and where he is just blatantly like, I just want to come play for a team that wants to win and knows how to win and has a history of winning. Um, you know, and he's like the past few years, this team has done that and I want to come and do my part. And, you know, he's just very matter of fact. And, um, it's, it's very refreshing, you know, and like some of these guys who we haven't seen in a while and we, we, you know, are so like, Oh, we want, we need to resign them. We need to do this. We need to treat these players like this just to see them be normal people on the TV and not think about that for five minutes. When we think about these guys was just so refreshing. And so, you know, like just made me even more amped for this season. And it, right now we need something to be excited about. And these guys definitely between the broadcast of Jason Benetti and Jessica Mendoza and interviewing these guys and having live baseball on a national broadcast during the day on a, you know, on a Wednesday was so awesome. So I'm all in now. Like I'm ready for baseball. Thank you very much. You guys, that was definitely jumpstarted my excitement again. Cause it, it was, it was really cool. I hope they do it again. Me too. We will talk more about home runs, Jock Peterson and the baseball on the flip side. We also have a ton of news for you. There's some Cubs signings to talk about. There are Pedro Strope sightings in Cubs camp, and we are both so here for it. But first, we need to take a quick break for our sponsors. All right, let's start with the home run. So I hate to say this, but every time I see a long home run right now, I think back to the work that our friend Dr. Meredith Wills has done, and I wonder what baseball was just hit out of the park. I'm like, was that a juice baseball? Is that a dead baseball? What batch did that come from? If you haven't read the SI piece that we talked about a few weeks ago, where it breaks down all of the shenanigans MLB has been playing with the baseball, you definitely need to do that. But Andy, I agree with you. That bomb that Jock Peterson hit, I mean... It didn't make me totally get over the heartbreak I've been feeling about Kyle Schwarber, but it was close. Yeah, and I think um, that was, I believe that happened on Wednesday. Um, and 
Jason Benetti was first to mention that on the same day, um, or maybe it was Tuesday, whatever day it was, um, they mentioned that the same day that Jock hit his first Chicago Cubs home run, Kyle Schwarber had hit his first Nationals home run. So I am like visualizing a, you know, left field, who's better in left field race between these two, because <laughs> I just, I, that's really cool to me. And like, I, you know, I don't remember ever, I, I do remember talking about him a little bit on a podcast previous, but there was a season, um, not last season, obviously the season before I went to a Cardinals game, obviously I live here in St. Louis and um, I, I was gifted some really great seats. Like, on top of the Chicago Cubs, um, not Chicago Cubs, they were playing the Dodgers, on top of the Dodgers dugout, like literally two rows behind the dugout, and right next to where the players went in and out of the dugout. Um, and I got to watch Jock Peterson that day hit two run, two home runs against the Cardinals. He just absolutely had an amazing day. And I remember thinking, I remember ta- having the conversation with somebody I was with that he was just an all-around good player and he was even having a rough season that year I believe and um not getting all the playing time I think that he probably thought he was he was not starting at the time he was getting spot starts here and there so to have him in a Chicago Cubs uniform and see him um do what he did against the St. Louis Cardinals I mean that brings me joy right there if he could do that this season against the St. Louis Cardinals in a Chicago Cubs uniform hello like that is I can get on board with that and I can quickly, um, quickly love him as a cub if, if that's what happens, but he is a good ball player and to see him every day and left, I think that our outfield is pretty locked down. And I think that was part of the reason why coming to the Cubs was such a, an obvious answer for him was because he was pretty much told that he would be our everyday starter and left. Um, but I love our outfield and I'm loving, um, I'm loving him in our outfield, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how it all, how it all works out. But I, I, I'm, I'm starting to become more on board with this. It's not that I ever wasn't on board with it. Jock Peterson is a great player. My friends who are Dodgers fans really love him. They, they love him the same way that we love Kyle Schwarber. Right. So it was like, I knew we would like him. I knew he would fit in well. I just have such a soft spot for Schwarbs and I really firmly, I mean, longtime listeners of this podcast know, I always sort of believed what Theo believed, that Kyle Schwarber was going to channel his inner David Ortiz at some point in time and it was going to be over for everyone. We were just going to be watching mash baseballs as a designated hitter somewhere and I wanted it to be Chicago. So here's hoping that Schwarber has some epic seasons ahead of him. But yeah, Jack, Jack Peterson's been great. He's definitely a defensive upgrade. And if he keeps hitting bombs like that, it's going to be hard. Not like what's not to love. Speaking of other bombs, Anthony Rizzo and Ian Happ both got into the action with some home runs. And again, like I said, I don't know what balls they're playing with over there in Arizona, (laughs) but I am here for the dingers. Yeah. I mean, and like the one thing that I I noted to myself on Ian Happ's last home run that I saw last night against the Dodgers was his swing was so effortless. And I don't even think that he swung all the way through. 
I, I, it felt like it was more of like a three, four swing. Like it wasn't even a full power swing and very effortless looking. So that's a promising sign, especially in spring training for Ian Happ to be making contact like that. Now, granted it's spring training. So the pitcher on the mound was probably not somebody he'd face in the regular season, but still it's all about confidence right now. It's all about getting the at bats in. It's all about seeing live baseball and if you're able to do that at any level, at any point in the season, that's always a, a good sign. That's always, you know, showing that you're moving forward, you're making progress in whatever it is you're working on. And I promise you the end goal is for him to hit a lot of baseballs that way. So for him to be doing that in spring training so early on and be making good contact is is such a good thing to see. Um, somebody that I think is definitely going to be um, it, it's going to be a need for him to have a good season for if these Chicago Cubs are going to do well, especially if he's our everyday center fielder. Totally agree. Let's talk about some other players who will be joining the Cubs or maybe already have joined the Cubs. Pedro Strope is back at Cubs camp. And look, if you know, you know, Pedro Strope just being around makes me happy. <laughs> I mean, there's an MLB article about this, and it made me so happy. Smiles everywhere. And that man, when he smiles, if you don't smile, you don't have a soul. I mean, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pedro Strope forever. Hats left. Let's do it. I, I don't even care if he throws a pitch just as long as he's there. I hope they <laughs> hire him as a coach and just, like, keep him around till the end of time. I was going to say, I just read that this morning that he's he made it a, a point to mention that if I'm not helping this team on the mound, I want to help in whatever ways I can. If that means mentoring somebody, if that means, you know, being somebody that they rely on in a coaching capacity, he wants, to, and I'm obviously, you know, paraphrasing what he, the interview that he gave, he wants to be involved with the Cubs. And I love that. And that is something I've secretly wished for, for a long time that he would end up with the franchise, even after the fact. So yes, Pedro Strip is back. Get get that man a smile. Let him pitch if he can. Let him mentor if he needs to. I'm just so pumped that he's back. Hats left. Yes, hats left forever. Another player who we may see in Cubs camp, and this one is a little bit more substantive and interesting here, is Eric Sogard was signed to a minor league deal. It's been well known that the Cubs have been looking for depth at second base. Eric Sogard is... I don't know how to say that. He's not the best offensive player in the land. I mean, I was looking at his WRC plus numbers when this deal was announced. And you know how WRC plus is off of 100. And if you're over 100, that's like the percent better you are than other people. And if you're under 100, that's like the percent worse you are than other people. Well, Eric Sogard is substantially worse than the average offensive major league baseball player. And as far as I can tell, the only reason to do this is to give yourself a little bit of depth at second base, give David Bodie a few days off while Nico Horner can hang out in AAA and develop a little bit more. Based on what I've seen from Nico Horner so far this this spring, I don't think he wants to go to AAA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I Listen, I, I apologize for all the, the, the mean things that I've said and thought about Eric Sogard because now he is... Um, possibly a Chicago Cub. But if the only thing that Aaron's, Eric Sogard does this year is push Nico Horner to be better, then that signing was worth it. <laughs> like, to me, 
that was totally worth it because Nico Horner is looking amazing thus far. And he certainly does not want to go back to AAA. All these folks that are saying he needs more time in AAA, he is out there to prove them wrong. And if signing Eric Sogard pushed him a little bit more, like, you know, there's another guy that you're going to have to share time with, then that was totally worth it to me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, clearly the difference here is that Nico is such a young player. You want him to get that development and preparation that is necessary so that he doesn't have that learning curve and setback that we saw from players. You know, Ian Happ had to go back down to AAA and spend a substantial amount of time there. Kyle Schwarber went back to AAA and spent a substantial amount of time there. Albert Elmore Jr. went back to AAA and spent a substantial amount of time there. And you would hope that Nico wouldn't have that same experience, that they could just get him ready and then he could come up and be a productive major league bat. The glove already plays, but you don't want him to be an 81 WRC plus player. He he profiles much more of like a 100, 105, 110 even type of player. And so you want him to get his full potential there. I guess the difference is that if you think that Nico needs some more at bats in triple A to get that development together, then you take Eric Sogard and his projected 76 or whatever WRC plus for a few months while hopefully Nico is working all those things out. I just think this gets complicated by the fact that we just got news that AAA is going to be delayed by a month. So you want Nico to be doing something. You don't want him just sitting at home missing out on at bats, right? So I don't know. I don't know what this means. I so yeah, you definitely want him to to reach full potential and and you know every you know every little start you want him to be able to get at bats you want him to be seeing live baseball i definitely think he starts the season with the major league team i don't know um i don't believe that he will be sent back down to triple a i you know that's just my opinion i mean the what he's showing thus far he is major league ready um to me anyways that's that's just the the eye test but um one thing that you you want to also kind of you know keep in mind too is that you have a David Bodie that when he gets hot when he is offensively in tune you he's also somebody you don't want to have on the bench too much you know um he's definitely been able to come through with the bat quite a bit and he'll be a great you know, pinch hitter, but you don't necessarily always want him there. He's got a decent glove. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out and, and how exactly the, the two of them fit in and whether or not, you know, Sogard even makes the major league roster. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. And just for comparison's sake, David Bodie had a WRC plus in the short 2020 season of 92. His career number is 101. So he's right at that major league average hitter. Nico kind of struggled a little bit in 2020. His WRC plus was 63. That is a lot lower than any of us would want him to be. And frankly, it's lower than he projects to be. He projects to be closer to that 100 number. So if you need a trade-off and you give Eric Sogard and David Bodie some at-bats there while Nico figures it out, that's fine. I just don't want to see him, you know, sitting on the couch waiting for the AAA season to start in the name of development, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Right. Oh, for sure. For sure. That's, that is, I think that's going to become more and more obvious with more spring training action that we see from him. 
Absolutely. Uh, Andy, you've got a John Lester note here. And I had read that he is going to miss some time because he's having his thyroid removed. Here's hoping that John Lester gets well soon and can be back in action for the Nationals as quickly as possible. That man is an absolute legend here in Chicago. Yeah, what a treasure. And just, you know, we, we, we really hope he's somebody I'm still going to follow, like regardless of whether he's on vacation in Florida, you know, I will still look for his tweet updates or if he's playing baseball for, for the Washington nationals. So yes, I will definitely keep him in my thoughts and prayers because any surgery is scary these days. And you definitely want to make sure that he has a full recovery and is able to, you know, get back on the mound and do what he does. Cause that's, you know, that's who John Lester is. So yes, I just wanted to make sure that we mentioned that because that is, um, you know, he's forever a cub in my heart. So. Totally. Also, let's talk a little bit about the plans to hopefully maybe kind of see some baseball at Wrigley field and whatever they're calling the place, the white Sox play these days. I have seen some back and forth here. So earlier this week, it looked like there were going to be plans to allow a limited number of fans, obviously wearing masks in pods, whatever, into baseball games in the city of Chicago. A couple of days later, our friend Evan Altman had a source over at Cubs Insider saying that that would not be true at the start of the season. Andy, what is the latest you're hearing on baseball and fans in the stands in the city of Chicago? So um, I read this morning, and I'm going to try and pull it up real quick. So forgive me for my delay here. Um, I read this morning that there would be fans as of April 1st, or the proposal was April 1st, um, and that um, it would be both the Cubs and the White Sox kind of um, came together and put together a proposal for Um, the state of Illinois and the city of Chicago executives to make the decision on 30% capacity. So roughly for the Cubs, it would be, I think, 12, 13, 14,000, something like that. Um, Just some small details that were mentioned that I can remember off the top of my head, pods of four or less. So like my family would not be able to attend a game at Wrigley together. Um, the way I understand it, St. Louis is doing something similar, but if you were a immediate family, you could sit, you could still stay together anywhere up to seven people, which I don't know any families of seven in St. Louis, but we have a family of five. So um, things like that, like everything would be touchless. There would be, um, you'd have to pre-order concessions. Uh, Your ticket would be touchless. Um, Any transaction, any monetary transaction would be electronic Um, some of the fields I read now, this is going outside of Chicago, but some of the, some of the ballparks that are opening to fans are doing a debit card system where you, if you don't have, if you only are trying to pay with cash, you have to go exchange that cash for an actual debit card when you get to the field, because they don't want to exchange cash like to vendors and, and all that good stuff. So, I mean, it's kind of cool that they're doing all this stuff and really trying to think about the small details that will help people feel comfortable. Um, I have to ask you though, cause I was thinking about this today as, as excited as this made me to even possibly consume a baseball game here in St. Louis. Um, I would love to travel up to Chicago and take in a game at Wrigley this season. If I can, I don't know if I am going to, because I don't know when I'm going to be vaccinated. 
Um, as of right now in the state of Missouri, I am a tier three, which are the last of the last of the last and the way Missouri is handling it. That might be next year. So I don't know if I'm fully comfortable attending a game, not being vaccinated. Sarah, how do you feel about that? Well, a couple of things, and I'm going to answer your question first, then I want to go back to this question of like, whether there will be fans in Chicago, because I see our mayor, Lori Lightfoot, who I, I supported in the past, but is kind of making me cranky at the moment, playing fast and loose with some of the wording here. I think there will be a point sometime this season where you'll see fans in the stands like that could mean anything that could mean July, that could mean April, and I hate those types of games. But we can talk about the politics of this in just a second. I don't think I will go to a baseball game until I've had at least my first shot, even in a socially distanced mask type of way. Um, My understanding is that, so I have a pre-existing condition. Um, It's like nothing, nothing terrible people. It's not going to do any severe damage or anything like that. But um, so I'm in the, I'm actually in the next group of people here in the city if they ever get through the 65 plus rate. And if you live in Illinois, you know that the, um, there they've been in 65 plus for a while now. A lot of the state has actually moved into tier one C or whatever it is, or one B. I don't remember how the, what the tiers are named where you're doing 18 and over pre-existing conditions, but the city of Chicago and the surrounding suburbs don't have, the vaccine capacity to do that yet. So that's been pushed back to at least the end of March and possibly the start of April. And I just hit refresh all day long looking to see when I can finally get my vaccine. I hate needles. I absolutely hate needles. It's a phobia of mine and I've never wanted a shot so badly in my life. Um, So yeah, I think that I probably will after I am vaccinated attend a socially distanced baseball game and I will happily sit there and order concessions however they want in my mask and just watch the Chicago Cubs. But I agree with you. I think that it would be after I get that shot. Yeah, I just I go back and forth with it in my mind because I'm like, well, we have been so safe here in this home and my children are still 100% virtual for school and they'll stay that way through the end of the year. I'm 100% working from home um, by my day job. So I don't know that it makes much sense for me to even consider going to a baseball game until I've at least had my first shot, being that we've been absolutely careful on all fronts and been super safe and followed all the guidelines and everything else. I think it would be stupid to throw that away for a live baseball game when I can do that um, later. I mean, it can still happen. So yeah, I mean, I've gone back and forth with it and as desperate as I am to consume live baseball, I just don't think that I'll do it before I have a shot. So while I'm super excited to have the option somewhere down the road, like it's actually going to happen this season, I'm also cautiously optimistic that it will happen for me this season. Well, and the other thing to keep in mind there, and you know, these are just the types of things that are complicating factors. In my instance, I live alone. So it's pretty easy for me to, once I have gotten my first shot or gotten uh, vaccinated, like that's it, right? Like I'm not gonna, uh, there's nobody here who doesn't have a shot that I have to worry about. Uh, I don't really come in contact with a ton of people who aren't vaccinated on a regular basis. You know, I kind of just do my own thing and that that poses its own problems for other things and for, you know, trying to 
keep your emotions up and good and all of that jazz. But I don't have to worry about like, like kids that won't have been vaccinated yet that I live with, you know what I mean? And that's a whole different calculation that you have to make. I think everybody has to do that calculation for themselves. I'm not going to tell anyone when it's safe for them to go see a baseball game. I am going to ask that, you know, people keep up the social distancing and masking and all of that jazz until we get to a point where enough people that have been vaccinated are safe and we don't have to do that anymore. And then I will be the first person to take my mask off and be, you know, screams of joy. A hundred percent. And it will be screams for joy for our Chicago Cubs baseball team. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I I do want to go back to this political question though, a little bit, because, you know, you, you did such a good job there with the personal element here and the, the risks that we've taken on as people and when we'll be comfortable with going to see a baseball game, but returning to politics, because Chicago is a very, very politically, politically inclined city. I sort of feel like there's a game of cat and mouse going on here between the White Sox and Cubs and the mayor's office. And I hate it. I feel like they're going to want some concessions that might have nothing to do with fans in the stands just because it's a thing they can get concessions on. Right. Like the Cubs and the city of Chicago have not always had the best relationship in terms of trying to negotiate these things. And I feel like that is going to be reflected in negotiations to try to get fans back into the ballparks. Oh, I could totally see that angle coming into play, especially in the city of Chicago. And um, just to kind of as comparison, um, and because what I'm familiar with, I live in the city of St. Louis, which um, is governed a lot differently. And there's still a lot of politics that run a lot of things around the city. But there is one thing that is clearly transparent here is that the professional sports that are present in the city of St. Louis, downtown St. Louis, run the economy, basically, of the city. There is nothing else. This is not a city like Chicago, where it is a buzz day and night. This is a city that if there is an event, a concert, anything in downtown St. Louis, then the city is, is up and running and going and 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 fast paced. But other than that, you don't see a whole lot. So there was no, I mean, there, I, I really honestly, from what I read, there was no roadblocks for the St. Louis Cardinals to um, open opening day and have fans and have some sort of, um, contingency with the city there was it was basically like yes we're here to help you let's get this up and going let's go like the city was behind it 100 percent. so it's it's very different in that aspect the other thing that i see as being a problem here in st louis is that the makeup of the folks that will attend these games are very it's very different than the makeup of the folks that attend games in um a lot of other cities and i think that is something that we'll see become a problem and probably not just in St. Louis and cities all over the country um, that folks don't want to follow, follow these guidelines. And that's going to become an issue too. And the cities are going to have to get involved if that's the case, because this thing is still not gone. And I've seen way too many people act like it is and act like it's the numbers are decreasing so rapidly that we can act like it's over. It's not over. It's nowhere near over, but people want to act like it is. And I just, I think that's going to become a problem, not only in the city of Chicago, but in the city of St. Louis, all the cities that are even considering allowing fans into professional sports venues, 
they're definitely going to have to take that into consideration. And there is going to be, I think, some backlash on that, especially from fans. I can see, and I am definitely generalizing here, and I think it's a safe assumption. I think people that live in this city would would agree with me. The folks that attend these games, I think you're going to see a lot of folks not wanting to follow these guidelines, and they may very well ruin it for everyone else. Yeah, I, I am less worried about people not complying with guidelines in Chicago. Chicago has been pretty good about that, at least in my neighborhood. It's been really good about masking and social distancing. And I don't remember the last time I went into a grocery store or Starbucks or something and saw somebody without a mask on like the the biggest, oh my gosh, what are you doing? I tend to see is somebody with the mask like under their nose type of thing. And that's like 5%, 1% of people, right? So I, I am less worried about that. I am a little bit I don't know what the right word is here, annoyed at the fact that the city is bumping up capacity for indoor dining and bars to 50% and holding out on the idea of whether they're going to allow fans outdoor at Wrigley and guaranteed rate this summer. And that just seems ridiculous to me. It's like, if you can put 50% capacity in a restaurant that where nobody can wear a mask while they're eating and we know that that's like the most dangerous thing you can do. You can sit in the bleachers socially distanced from other people with a mask on. Oh, I couldn't agree with that more. Like the restaurant thing makes me a little crazy. So um, yeah, definitely you should be able to be in an outdoor venue with all the proper protocols, all the proper guidelines. You should definitely be able to do that if restaurants are going to be at 50%. Like that just it com- seems completely obvious to me. But, you know, for the sake of the folks that are able to get tickets, like all our, you know, season ticket holder friends for for the Chicago Cubs, I really hope that this all pushes through because I think it will be amazing, not only for the fans, but for the players. Like you hear so many of them comment on what it means to them to have fans in the stand right now at spring training. Like that and even watching it live on TV, it makes a difference. Like you can hear you can hear the hecklers. That's awesome, too. Um, but it's, you know, it's just such a different atmosphere when there's fans being able to be at the game, being able to cheer, being able to be part of the action. And I think that, I think we're going to see that make a difference with players too. So I really hope for the sake of everyone that's able to, to do it, that it happens and it gets pushed through and at a safe and reasonable outcome for everyone. And I I just, I, I hope that I'm able to to do what I need to do to feel safe to go to a game this year, because I think that would just, it's going to be really emotional. Like, I don't know about you, but I'm probably going to bawl my eyes out the first time I get to go to a baseball game again. Oh, I will absolutely be crying my eyes out. And, you know, I'm still bummed that we didn't get to really give John Lester the send off that he deserved. He deserved multiple standing ovations and we should have been able to do that. And we as fans didn't get a chance to do that. You know, I'm hoping that some extensions get done during spring training, but if they don't, this is Chris Bryant's last year. This is Anthony Rizzo's last year. This is Javier Baez's last year. And if I don't get to give those players the send-off that they deserve, like I didn't get to give John Lester the send-off they deserve, that will be heartbreaking to me as a fan. That is something that will absolutely, it will be like the day Ryan Sandberg retired unexpectedly and my little like teenage self was just bawling. Yeah, I was pretty shook. I was pretty shook. And just even hearing you say that, like my heart kind of hurt for a second, you know, like that, that kind of pain that you get in your chest when you think about things like that. 
Like I, I just, I don't even want to think that that could happen, but you're right. It a hundred percent could happen. And I just hope that, you know, whatever happens with the Cubs this year, that there are fans that are able to, you know, give it proper attention. If there are fans able to give our Cubs some love and cheer during the regular season, you will hear about it here first on Cup of Cubby Blue. In the meantime, you can find us and our baseball takes on Twitter. I am at BCB underscore Sarah. Andy is at BRYZ underscore Blue. You can find both of us at at Cup of Cubby Blue and wherever the Cubs happen to be playing their baseball games, whether it's on Marquee Sports Network, ESPN, MLB, the radio, whatever, we are there. Cubs baseball is back and so are we. Till next time. Bye.